welcome to another edition of the CDG BizCast. I'm your host, Christian Gonzalez, co-owner of Creativity Design Group, a digital marketing firm in Houston, Texas. Today, in the second part of our Back to School series, we will be discussing a 10-step evening routine that business owners or anyone with a busy daily life can follow to help transition from their working state to relaxation. Joining me today is my lifestyle expert, Justin Rail, and my good friend in the United Kingdom, Lauren Hicks. Today we're going to be discussing the ultimate night routine. This routine will help you wind down and transition from daytime to nighttime and get yourself ready for bed very easily so you can feel refreshed when you wake up the next morning. So Justin, you have reviewed the ultimate night routine. You did a great job discussing the billion dollar morning routine our last episode and now you can educate us more about how we can have a nice routine that'll help us wind down from our busy day. Well, you want to have a routine not just to wake up and get yourself going in the morning, but also to make sure that you shift mental gears appropriately so that you don't shift suddenly. That may work for some people, but the vast majority of people need time to gradually shift their gears between daytime and nighttime, both when starting up for the day and when they're getting ready to shut down for a resting cycle. One of the things that everybody should do each day is check your to-do list and create a new one if you did not create one for the day. new day. Because if you don't have a to-do agenda for personal and work purposes, you're not going to be as productive in your life as you'd like to be. And one of the best ways you can do that is to review what you had on your personal to-do list, such as washing your dishes or washing your laundry, or on your work to-do list, such as doing your job, getting your taxes filed, things like that, and then reviewing what you actually gotten done throughout the day that uh, can help you realize that, okay, maybe there are certain things on your to-do list you didn't get done, but you still had a productive day overall, which is the point of having a day of review as part of your to-do list, because whether you use digital means or analog means, such as a bullet journal, you should always have your personal and work to-do lists laid out, and some people find it helpful to do a gratitude list for people and things they are grateful for each day, Mm -hmm. and I find that's very helpful for me to go through at the end of each day when I wind it down for the last about hour of my day, to go through and look at what was on my personal and work to-do lists for things I needed to do versus what I actually got done to see whether or not I had an actually productive day and actually write down at least three to ten things that I'm grateful for on that particular day, either things that happened or people that I interact with in my life that day mm-hmm. for which I am grateful that those interactions occur. I see how that can help instill a positive mindset before going to bed because when you wake up in the morning for the next day, you want to have that same positive mentality going in. Most people do not like going to work. Most people hate their jobs. And 
they want to have something they can feel positive about throughout the day. So it's important to remember things that you're grateful for. And as much as you hate your job or hate where you go every day, at least be grateful that you have a job and that you're getting paid regularly to cover your bills and such. Some people are not as fortunate. And in general, we also discussed to-do lists in our last episode. Creating a to-do list was one of the steps in the morning routine. Creating your personal work to-do agendas can be important to have a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day, such as a personal to-do list, washing your dishes and washing your laundry. You might realize you didn't wash your dishes, but you might realize you washed 15 loads of laundry, which made you unavailable to wash the three loads of dishes that are on your kitchen counter. Mm -hmm. Meaning that while you had a productive day, you didn't get everything done, but when you've been productive, it doesn't matter because that means you'll be available to wash the dishes the next day. Right. Or that you can delegate it to a younger family member, possibly. This depends on what you got done versus what you needed to do. Right. Because gardening can take a massive amount of time and leave you unable to get your laundry and dishes done. Not to say that gardening is bad, it's just time-consuming. Right. And so gardening properly means that you're taking care of making sure you'll have food on the table later, which is very important, especially with the ongoing supply chain issues. If you can buy seeds and grow them yourself, even on a back porch or on a windowsill, that's food you didn't have to pay for at the constantly increasing prices at the grocery store. Right. Seeds are still relatively affordable. Going back to the importance of a to-do list, yes, when you add essential tasks like that to your list, it helps you stay focused on what you need to get done. To-do lists are a great way to help you track your progress throughout the day or longer terms than that, such as for a week. They act as a silent companion throughout your project, and they work because they help you stay focused. It's like having somebody there to remind you to get certain tasks done. And if you've completed at least four out of five of your essential tasks on that list, then you can go to bed knowing that your day was a success. At least four out of five is what you should aim for. And my system that I use is, I don't really have much in terms of a personal to-do list. My life is mostly business. My business list is always pretty long. And what I do is, I, I have a dry erase board in my office and I write out all the tasks I need to get done for the day and also longer term tasks I need to get done throughout the week. So for the most important tasks that I know that I need to get done during the day, I write those in red ink on the board. And then all the others that are not as important, I'll just write them in any other color. But the ones that I know that I have to get done right away, the most important can't slack off on tasks would be the ones that I write in red on my list. Yes, uh, color coding your tasks is a great way on your to-do list and make sure that things stand out in an important way to make sure that they're more easily noticed for the color scheme that you're able to see. Right. I don't really color code anything else. I just know that I could write the less important tasks in any other random color, but the most important tasks, the ones that have to get done as soon as possible, are the ones that I write in red. And we all know that red is the universal color of urgency. Yep. I myself like to color code my bullet journal that I use to manage my morning and evening routines and my to-do lists each day as I write down my monthly, weekly, and daily logs. And I'm able to go through and realize that maybe I didn't wash my dishes for three days, but I did 19 loads of laundry. Right. So that's still productive time, 
when cleaning out 30 years worth of stuff, dealing with the final affairs of family members who've passed away. Mm-hmm. That can in itself be a full-time job to hunt down all the paperwork if you don't know where some of it is. Right. Yes, you have to sit your whole house. Even locate some of that can be turn out to be a really productive day if you have to call 15, 25 places to actually locate who you're supposed to get the paperwork from so you can submit it to right. the people that you're supposed to submit it to. Mm-hmm. And even phone calls can take time because depending on how busy the place is, you might spend 45 minutes on hold. Yes, that's true. And that's especially if you have to call in general, not just when looking for important documents, but if you have to call customer service for some company, it doesn't matter who it is, you're going to be on hold for a long time, especially since a lot of people have still, to this day, have not returned to work. Yeah, when you're on hold with customer service, especially for a government agency, doesn't matter which one, you can sometimes use that time if you're at home in your home kitchen. Use that time to wash your dishes while you're listening to the hold music. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a passive activity that allows you to do two things at once while you're waiting. You're getting other important tasks accomplished Yes. without noticing the time delay because while you're waiting, you're not going to necessarily be able to just sit there waiting for them to be ready, for you to be ready at your computer. So take 15, 20 minutes and wash your dishes. Especially if, like me, you don't have a dishwasher in the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I do this all the time, too, when I have long waits. I'll try to find something else that I need to get done while I wait for them to get back with me on the phone. It does get very boring and tedious just sitting there waiting. And why sit there doing nothing when you can use the spare time to get these other crucial tasks done? It could be from your business list, your work list, or even your personal list. And if you're at home, most likely it's going to be from your personal list. And washing dishes is one thing that you can do. You can wash dishes. You can write out a grocery list for the things you need to buy at the store later. Or something similar along those lines. Maybe you have something that you can clean up while you're waiting. There's just so many things you could do while you're waiting on hold. You just have your speakerphone on and then just be ready when somebody answers to drop everything you're doing. Either A, wash my dishes, or B, update my pantry list Mm -hmm. so that I know what I've got in my pantry so I know what to add to my grocery list for my next grocery run to the store. That way, I'm not buying 600 cases of ramen and I can instead buy hot dogs or something to make sure I've got protein in the house not just starch. Exactly, yes. In general, when you're reviewing your to-do list for the next day, you might see that some of the tasks were not completed. You might see that you didn't complete all of your tasks that you wanted to do that day. What do you do with those tasks? You add them to your to-do list for the next day and build upon that. You know, making a new to-do list is probably one of the best things you can do to set the foundations for a productive morning and also for a productive day. Yes, and that's especially true in the business world because if you didn't, Especially if you work as a mom-and-pop retail store Mm -hmm. that's a real small operation, one or two registers, you can, uh, on your to-do list, you're always going to have stock and show. If you didn't finish it the night before, do it the next morning before you open up Mm -hmm. or after you've balanced your books for the day. Exactly, yes. I wish more business owners would do that. I wish more business owners would take time 
to really prepare themselves to serve the public like that. Some places make the mistake of waiting till they've opened their doors to take care of stuff like that. And sometimes they'll open their doors even with the cash registers of the computer system down and all they can do is accept cash. When you're not preparing for the next day accordingly and you're just letting these extremely important tasks fall apart, then you're not doing your customers any favor. In fact, they're going to be frustrated with you when they see that your operations are down. They're going to walk out your door and go somewhere else. Yeah, and that is going to be what will frustrate you the most when they take their business elsewhere and support your competitor. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, the customer is the boss. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I used to struggle with my motivation years ago, and I used to like lack when it came and slack a lot when it came to getting housework done and other things done. And then, I, like the next day, I wouldn't want to do it because I'd be too busy, or I just couldn't be bothered, etc. But I, when I um, I have a bath every day because of my OCD and my blood pressure. Since my blood pressure's got worse, my OCD has got worse. So what I do, um. Before I go in the bath, I get all my housework done. I do my dishes, everything else, tidy up, and then I go in the bath, and then I know I can relax afterwards. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, well, say like um, I forget to take washing out the machine, I'll take, while the bath is running, I'll take the washing out the machine, put it out to dry so I know it's clean and it's drying, and then I can just go in the bath then and just relax and have a nice relax an evening or say like you've got like other things to do it's easier to get it done before mm -hmm. you do before you're ready to relax because then you'll feel much better that it's done and the next morning you won't have to worry that nothing's done and you won't have the anxiety that your house is going to be a mess for the next however long that's that's true when it comes to housekeeping living your everyday life Say like you've got homework from work or school or what college or whatever, you know, it's easier to get it done out the way before you're ready to relax and then you can just let your mind go knowing that it's all done. Right. I know that when I was in high yeah. when I was in high school, the first thing I would do the moment I got home was after eating a snack, I would get my homework done because I just didn't want to deal with it later. Most of the homework assignments were due the next day, and I didn't want to slack on that. It feels so much better to get it all done. So I never used to. I used to be too lazy, or I'd have no motivation, energy. But like, even though my health has got worse over time, even though it kills me to do it, I still get everything done before I go in the bath and then I can re know I can relax them without having to worry about things. Mm-hmm. Taking out everything else, the shopping's done, whatever. Right. Sadly, as a business owner, I don't have that luxury because every day I have to write out a new set of tasks. Just because I get certain things done one day doesn't mean I have zero to do the next day. I have a full list of tasks to tackle the next oh, yeah. day. <laughs> no, but like, what I'm saying is like, if you get things done the night before, you can have kind of like a relaxed day at work mm -hmm. knowing that some tasks are done. So it's easier to get things done the night before and then the next day is less stressful for work, etc. Right. That's that's right. Just be prepared. Anyway, if you've got the time. Mm -hmm. The less you have on your plate, 
the less you have to worry about. Because I know what it feels like to be overloaded. Back when I was in college, I used to be overwhelmed with work all the time. And I gave up everything just to get it done, especially my last two quarters before graduation. I wasted no time and made sure everything was done. And I also wanted to mention that you should also combine steps one and two of this evening routine. And the second step, which we have not talked about, is preparing your outfit for the next day. So preparing your outfit for the next day is something you should have on your to-do list. It should be one of the last things you do for the day. Yeah, get you sorted the night before. And like, say like you take a packed lunch to work or whatever, mm-hmm. make your packed lunch before you go to bed and then you don't have to worry in the morning. If you rush for time or you wake up late, you can just grab it and go if you, if you don't forget. Right. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's something that, that isn't perishable that you can put in the refrigerator, something like that. When you take care of the tasks, you can really depressurize the amount of stress in your mind, which over time will reduce the likelihood of life-altering events such as cardiac arrest, among other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I had um, my kids, um, like, my son was so full-on, and I used to, she used to be too tired to get things done the night before. And then, like, I'd have the stress the next day of doing loads of things as well as managing the kids and other things as well. It was just too... And the stress eventually makes you ill because stress has made my health conditions worse over time. And it's so, so, it's so important to try and get things done, if you can, in advance. And then the next day will be less stress on you. Right. And there's one thing I want to say about that. I've always hear parents from time and time again complain about their kids stressing them out and the only thing I have to say about that is that you shouldn't complain. When you decide to have kids, that's what you signed up for. You have to handle your kids so they become of age and you have to bear the burden. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying remember that to all the parents listening. <laughs> you signed up to be a parent when you had your kids, you have to bear their burden for a while. I mm-hmm. hate about some people's they quick to palm their kids off on any Tom, Dick and Harry. I My know. son had autism and, um, and, and ADHD and I could not cope with him. But I couldn't trust anyone with him and I was with my kids 24-7 even though I couldn't cope and it made me ill in the end with my son's disabilities. I still did everything for them, you know, and I hate it when people say, oh, they can't cope with their kids and can you look after my kids? left right and center it pisses me off you know it's so important to get help with your kids don't get me wrong if you can get help with your kids great but hate it when people palm their kids off on any tom dick and harry it's even worse than that i've read about idiot parents who left their kids off at chuck e cheese while they you know left them there alone while they went off to the mall to go shopping how irresponsibly stupid is that that's that's beyond yeah. evil. That's beyond sickening that's that they would do that. With McDonald's, that's happened in the UK. There was one worker. She kept um, leaving her child in the play area of McDonald's and going to work and um, not leaving her child with any money or food. It's terrible. And then there was like random people who had to feed their, their kids, and that really pissed me off because my son never stopped eating. Like, and I could never leave him anywhere without giving him food. I mean, it's not just about giving them food, it's the endangering. I mean, here in the U.S., if a parent is caught doing that, they will be arrested, 
Child Protective Services will find their kids and, and give them a home. They'll find them a parent who will take care of them properly. I'm just saying, all the parents who complain about their kids, don't complain because mm -hmm. you signed up to be a parent when you had your first child. And you have to bear the burden until they become of age. Until then, you have to stick with it. So, I don't have sympathy for parents who complain about their kids. They knew what they were getting into when they had kids. But people that leave their kids um, outside as well, there's one woman I know, she would leave a child would wet the bed and she would let make that child go out in the street with no shoes or anything on in the pouring down rain and I'm not even joking um, because it was it was it came out in a court case thing I had and this woman was batshit basically right. and she was trying to make out perfect but she but when I think about that kind of thing I could never imagine throwing my child out in the street because with so many perpetrators about these days you don't know you know, if you love your kids genuinely, you're not going to leave them in some random place no. without you being. Not like, at all. I never, like, the thought just horrifies yeah. me. What? Yeah. It, it's horrific what some of these people are willing to do to their own kids because of how heartless modern society is becoming. Right. It is actually downright scary sometimes what these people actually it is yeah. it's it's crazy sickening it's you know i i, I don't want to talk about it. it's gonna make me mad let's get back yeah. on topic let's get back on topic we've covered the first two steps we've covered step one and we've covered step two the third step in the routine is to check the bathroom the kitchen and the living room for tidiness and of course this is also stuff that might be on your previous to-do list from from the previous day and we were discussing washing dishes as an example so, yeah, you'll want to check your surroundings. In fact, don't just check those three rooms. Check any room that you know that you use regularly. For example, I have a room in my house that I dedicate just for using as an office. What are y'all's process for checking the cleanliness or tidiness of the rooms before you go to bed? Do y'all check these rooms before you go to bed? Well, when I'm cleaning, when I'm doing tidying up and cleaning, I, I never have to do my bedroom much because it's ne it never really gets messy like that. Sometimes I have to sort my bed out or change the sheets, etc. Mm -hmm. But mostly, I, I make sure the living room and the hallway is hoovered, and the bathroom sometimes because I get talcum powder on the floor a lot. So I, um, yeah, I make sure it's all hoovered. Right. Um, else. So I make sure each room because my my bedroom gets dusty, so I only have to really hoover it. Like I don't hoover it often because I don't have food or anything in there like right. much. So. I make sure each room is done before then I get to do anything else like have a bath or relax or whatever or go out if I need to. Right. Yeah. Always make sure that you have your required tasks accomplished before you do something that will trigger the pleasure energy in your brain. That way you reward yourself for doing what you're supposed to do mm -hmm. as essential tasks. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it feels great. Well, say like you, um, I don't know, you fancy a unhealthy snack. You know you've deserved it because you've got all these tasks done, like, <laughs> and you've burned some calories doing it, and then you can feel better for relaxing and enjoying yourself. One of the most important things to remember is when you complete these tasks in the evening, you don't have to worry about finishing them in the morning because if you have more stuff to do in the morning, the more stress you're going to have trying to get it done. And... 
Mornings can be very stressful, especially when you know you have to be somewhere at a certain time. And that could include, you know, taking your kids to school, getting to work yourself, anything that you know you have to take care of in the morning. The less you have to do in the morning, the less stress you're going to have. Yeah, yeah. Years ago, I didn't leave my dishes for a couple of days. I couldn't be bothered to do them. But now, like the last goodness how many years now, I get them done and every single day, mm -hmm. and then it's done because the idea of dishes being in the sink. Right. Yeah, because that can lead to long-term problems. Mm. As an example, you might get to not to, you don't want to get blind to clutter in your house because otherwise you're not going to notice something that really does need to be cleaned up later. And besides, uh, pests like ants can move in if you keep your dishes dirty long enough. Because eventually they can find any food source. Yeah, not just ants. Don't forget the rats and roaches, too. And even though, though OCD is a pain in the ass, and my OCD has got worse over the years, sometimes it's good to have an OCD because you know you're not going to have that pest issue. Mm-hmm, that's right. I can't suck yeah, it. Because if you, pests will not go where everything's neat, tidy, and orderly. So if you keep your home neat, clean, and orderly, they're not going to have the pest issues typically. Because the rodents and the uh, bugs are not going to find your home to be an appealing target to move into. That's the importance of ensuring that everything is clean. That's a very important third step. And as soon as you complete step three, you'll want to move on into step four, which is to dress comfortably. Now that you've done your housekeeping, everything is neat and tidy. Now you can change into some comfortable clothes. But why don't you want to do this before? Because you don't want to get your comfortable clothes dirty. Your work clothes, you know, are going to get exposed to all kinds of stuff. I actually have specific shirts that I wear when I'm cleaning stuff because I know that I'm going to get chemicals backsplashed on me. Mm -hmm. See, this is where my OCD is bad as well. Like, Say, like, I go to take my rubbish out to the bin shed. I then come in and... 99% of the time I change or I do it before I'm going to have a bath and then I wash my hands, I spray down my phone and my keys because I'm worried I've touched something dirty because this is how bad my OCD has got and it's just like if I go out to the shop, as soon as I get home I change anyway because I feel like there's something gone on my clothes and I don't want it to then touch a sofa where I sit often, you know, and then worry that turns on me. Right. I'm just... I. I'm ridiculous, but you know, I just hate it. The idea of going out and wearing the same clothes for hours after you get in. From a psychological standpoint, your everyday clothes or your work clothes, they create a sense of continuity. As long as you're wearing them, you're always going to have a work mindset. Like you're not going to feel like doing something recreational. You're just going to feel like you're still at work even though you've already left and you're home now so when you change into your night clothes now you have a more relaxed feeling you don't have that work mindset anymore you truly feel that you're at home so that's why it's important to wear your night clothes after you have completed step three you're no longer in work mode you're in home mode and you want to have that home mindset. You don't want to think about what you're doing at work once you're at home. I mean, it's a little bit different for me because I'm a business owner and I bring a lot of my work tasks home with me, especially since it, a lot of my work does not require me to be physically at the office. You know, it's web and graphic design work. I can do that from my home computer. But 
What I'm saying is that for everybody else out there who does go to work and they have to wear a uniform every day, you're not going to be out of your work mode or you're not going to lose your work mindset until you change out of those clothes and get into your casual wear or your pajamas, whatever you wear in the evening. I used to have cats and I had a specific set of clothes, a specific shirt and a specific pair of pants and a specific pair of shoes that the only time I ever wore them was when I would be cleaning the litter box Mm -hmm. because that's a really nasty chore and can cause specific health issues if females do it. A little disease called toxoplasmosis, which can lead to sterility. Yeah, um, what's it called? The Slayton sisters of 600 pound life or whatever it's called. Their mum changed litter when she was pregnant on Amy and it's caused Amy to be blind now. Um, So, yeah, it can cause all kinds of issues, changing litter and it's so important to wash your hands, etc. Yes. Yeah, it's a really nasty problem. I had it, and I actually have a specific mask that I bought at Lowe's designed specifically for particulate dust matter that I would wear when changing out the cat litter, even for low dust varieties. That's the importance of ensuring your house is tidy. That's why step three is so important. You want to get all of that taken care of. You want to clean all that stuff that's not only making your house messy, but also of anything that could be hazardous to your health. While we're on the topic of staying healthy, let's discuss step five, ditching alcohol and excess food. Now this can be a very important one because how you decide to eat or drink at night will certainly affect how you sleep. For example, you don't want to drink loads of caffeine right before you go to bed or you're not going to go to sleep that night. Simple as that. You don't even need to be a doctor to know that. Yeah, you typically want to cut off the caffeine by about 5 p.m. unless you are on a specific prescription for which would be to specific issues that it would be for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't caffeine. I um, had a vanilla Coke the other day because I wanted to try it, but I'm not supposed to drink caffeine usually, so I don't. I just don't bother with it, and I don't drink alcohol either because it gives me a really bad effect from like half a glass of wine. So luckily, I don't drink. <laughs> and it's a good thing that you don't touch any of that stuff, especially late at night, because any type of alcoholic drink. And also, filling meals like burgers, fries, pizza, tacos, stuff that's just loaded with fat and that can make you feel bloated after you're done eating it, this stuff takes a while to digest. So when your food can't digest, you can't go to sleep easily either. So drinking caffeine or alcohol and eating junk food right before you go to sleep will hinder you from going to sleep. And don't be surprised if you end up staying up most of the night tossing and turning because of this. Well, man, and it can also, among other issues, lead to acid reflux, which yes. is acid leaking into your esophagus. And that does much more serious long-term damage as the way your esophagus and can lead to cancer, among other issues in the causes. Right. I get that really bad. And I think I must have got it from my mum's mum, actually, because she had esophagus cancer. And I'm thinking maybe she had similar issues to what I have. Like, when I went away last, um, I don't usually eat a lot. I, I'm very careful about what I eat because of um, how my body gets affected. But because I ate more than what I should have done, I then couldn't sleep all night because I had a really bad chest with acid and everything else, and I was sick a lot, and it was just so horrible. Because for my health conditions, I struggle to um, 
settle it easily, if that makes sense. And so mm -hmm. I was up all night thick and everything. It was horrible. So it's so important to like make sure you eat um, a decent but healthy-ish kind of meal before you go to sleep. Nothing too fatty or I, heavy. I would say save all of the stuff that you want to reward yourself with, the food that you enjoy eating the most. Save it for the weekend when you know you don't have to wake yeah. up to go to work the next day. I would say that for the lunch time of your day off, not the night before, because it can be important not to shoot yourself in the foot on your routine by making sure that you get up at the exact same time all seven days of the week to help maintain your routine, number one, and number two, to make sure that your bio clock doesn't get confused. Right. Because that uh, can affect your bio rhythms. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We discussed that on the morning routine. Right. Because it can be very important not to have your bio rhythm go out of kilter if you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. Because it can take weeks or months to fix. Yeah. And while we're speaking about the morning routine, let's reiterate one of the steps from the routine that could also be used in your evening routine to drink water. Drink a nice big glass of water. I do it every night before I go to bed, at least two or three. Drinking 16 to 24 ounces of water can be very important. You want to do that more than a half an hour before bed so that you have time to process it because you don't want to go to bed on a full stomach. You want to wait about two hours after you've eaten minimum. Mm -hmm before trying to go to bed so that your body has time to digest the food and when you uh, eat less than two hours before bed it does stuff to you biologically that impairs your sleep and can over the long term actually do physical damage to your body right but you want to avoid that if you want to have a nice long life mm-hmm right and that also includes cutting out you know, not just eating before bed, but in general, try to avoid eating too much fast food and other unhealthy junk like that throughout the day. Yeah, carbs, that's it. Carbs at night time isn't so good if you're going to sleep straight after. No. But I, um, water doesn't affect me during the night. Like, and it's important if you do need a drink in the middle of the night is to drink water. Mm-hmm. Water's the best thing I you can thought... drink at night. I find that a 16-ounce glass of water that's room temperature to slightly chill is the best beverage that I can drink if I need something to rehydrate with after yeah. hours. Yeah, that's, that's what I always do. I always make sure to have a glass of water or two at night before I go to bed. That's the only thing I touch at night. Another reason why I avoid certain foods and drinks at night is because I've already brushed my teeth. I'll eat before I brush my teeth but not after. I'll have to go back and brush again. And that's the sixth step of the routine. That is to clean your face and brush your teeth. And I always do every night, just as I do every morning. It's important to ensure that after you've eaten, go to the bathroom, wash all the food off your face, and then brush your teeth. And when you brush your teeth, brush really good. Brush all areas of your teeth. Don't forget to floss. And also finish up by using mouthwash. And if you have one, one of those, uh, they call them water picks or water flossers. Yes. Be a really good option as well to get areas where the mouthwash can't get. Right. Yeah, water picks are great for getting those hard-to-reach spots in your mouth. It's also important to remember when you're cleaning your face. 
Make sure you wash all of the important areas of your face. You want to get all the oil out of your skin or it could lead to acne later. Especially if you have a job where you sweat a lot or you're out in the heat, a clean face is going to be very important. Yeah, because if you can minimize the sweat buildup, you're going to minimize skin damage later. Right. Because skin damage is cumulative and the worse you treat yourself when you're younger, the more health problems you're going to have later in life. That's right. Yeah. And that's so true with me because um what's it called? My mum used to just feed us crisps and I mean sweets a lot when we were younger and junk and like as I've got older my house conditions have got worse and like I was quite lucky, my kids they ate healthy, I I gave them a healthy balanced diet and it was actually quite I was praised for that at one point. But um by professionals. But it's so important to feed your kids a healthy diet growing up because it really can affect them growing up. Mm -hmm. And like my boat all um, smoked around me when I was younger as well. And I think that's what caused a lot of my heart problems to worsen, etc. Right. Yeah, it's so important because that's so true for me. Like having a healthy, unhealthy lifestyle growing up has made my health worse. And living in an area where the air is clean can be critical for lung health, I find. Yeah. I myself actually, where I grew up, has a lot of air pollution issues. And at the age of 25, or it might have been 26, the air pollution I actually grew up with had my lungs so dirty that at 26, I had the lungs of a 45-year-old five-pack-a-day smoker. Wow, that I is... What my, like, to be fair, I don't know what my lungs are, but like I can hardly breathe these days like properly, and I don't smoke or anything like that, and it's just awful. So I wouldn't be surprised if my lungs are like that at the moment. And I just want to say that for those of you who like to smoke, do your best to try to get off of it. You're only going to save yourself in the end if you can get yourself off of smoking. Smoking is probably more deadly than eating loads of junk food and over binging on alcohol. Get off of smoking my, if you can. My dad did amazing. He'd smoked since he was a young teenager, I think, um, until several years ago when he was probably in his 40s and then one day he just gave up and went cold turkey he used the patches and stuff to quit but he did really well he like literally um came cold turkey off of um fags and he's never smoked them since that's good i would like to hear more stories like that about different people because smoking is incredibly deadly and if you have it as part of your evening routine, try to get off of it. Try to wean mm -hmm. yourself off of cigars and cigarettes because they will kill you if you just keep smoking them all the time. And that also accounts for drinking too much and also having poor dieting as well. All these things can eventually lead to major, major deadly health problems. Smoking can cause lung cancer and I consider smoking and drinking, binging on alcohol to be two of the slowest forms of suicide that you can actually do. Right, and yeah. you can also you can also add having poor dieting habits to that list as well too. Poor diet, smoking, and drinking alcohol are the three four three slowest forms of suicide you, that exist on this planet. I believe. Right. My husband used to smoke cigars around us a lot when we were younger, and I, I can't can't stand the smell of cigars. They have like this sweaty, horrible smell. They rancid. But yeah, I think that's what made my health problems worse as well. It's just him smoking cigars a lot and not giving a shit that we were around. But I'm glad I take my health more seriously these days. I take vitamins, a lot of vitamins. 
I've changed my diet in so many ways and it's it really has helped because I could have died by the time I was 27. So I'm wow. glad I forgot, seriously, I'm not joking, professionals said that, etc. So I'm glad like I take my health seriously these days. I think if it wasn't for me taking my vitamins and stuff, I'd probably be dead by now and I'm not even joking. And that's something that you should be incredibly thankful for. You knew when you had to stop, you knew when things were getting bad and you took action. Now you're still here with us and that's going to lead into our next step on the routine and that is to express gratitude to yourself and the people that you love. We discussed this at the beginning of the show. Be thankful that you're still alive and that you still have a life to live and that you are able to prevent your health problems from consuming you and taking your life but also feel grateful for the people that you have in your life some people do not think about this until it's too late and that's what's sad but one thing that's important as well which i never like i never used to care about my health like my health was getting worse but because i had so much pressure on me with my son being severely autistic and having adhd i had no time to think about my own health so it was only after he they finally put him in care that i realized what was going wrong with my body and I started to listen to my body right. and know what was going wrong. He didn't go and care when he did. I'd probably be dead because I just wouldn't have been focusing on my own health. I wouldn't have been knowing what's wrong with my body. I wouldn't be thinking, oh, well, this is going wrong. Instead, I was putting it down to tiredness or being too busy with my kids, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's important, even if you're too busy, like to focus sometimes on your body and see what you need even if you find you're too busy right earlier this year i lost a spouse to cancer and i was a full-time caregiver in the home and i was doing it on my own and i neglected my own health to make sure that her health was taken care mm -hmm. of right up until the very end and i'm having to take a lot of uh, self-care corrective action that I've been neglecting because how much time I was having to take care of her, especially having to do so without my own vehicle. I can totally relate with that because I was a full-time carer to my son and it made my health worse because I didn't have time to think about my own body and my own health and what was going wrong. So I can totally relate with you there. Right. Yeah, that's that's just very sad and unfortunate that it happened to you, Justin. Of course, we, we all give you our condolences, as it was a very recent event. Let's just shift things to be more positive now. In step seven, we're supposed to be expressing gratitude to ourselves and also to the people that we love. And it's important that you show the people that you love every day that you love them. Sure, you might have moments where you get mad at them, but that doesn't mean that you hate them. You still love them regardless. Yeah. When you go to bed at night, the first thing you want to do, as I mentioned earlier, is go to bed on a positive note. You want to go to bed feeling good. And... Spreading positive energy is one of the best things to help supercharge your evening routine. The first thing you can do, look at your journal. We spoke about journaling before. Journaling was one of the steps in the morning routine we discussed in the last episode. So look at that journal that you made in the morning and then reevaluate what happened during the day. So just read over it. You'll want to get a good feeling to see if everything you wrote down is really being accomplished. You'll want to feel if everything that you've written down in your journal aligns with what happened during the day. Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel accomplished? Start writing down a list on your journal of bullet points and start congratulating yourself 
for the things you've got done. How do you do this? Write down the things you've got done or look at your to-do list if you already haven't written down already and then just start checking away at the things that you've accomplished. Just putting checks next to those items will help you feel great. I know it has for yeah, me. And if I have room on the piece of paper that I've written down what I needed to do on my personal work tests for the day, mm -hmm. I'll write down what actually happened and it actually sometimes surprises me that even though I didn't get anything on my agenda, that uh, even on days when I didn't get anything from my agenda done, depending on what I actually did get done that day, I can still feel like I had a productive day. Right. For example, there was a Friday a couple of weeks ago, I went and paid my car taxes and got my paperwork on that file. That took about six hours to get all of that paperwork squared away. And so that left me unable to accomplish anything on my personal agenda, but it was still a productive day anyway, because I had to account for the amount of time that it took me to drive where I needed to drive mm -hmm. to get all the paperwork done, plus waiting at government offices, you know how that could go. Yeah, that's a lot of fun, right? <laughs> yeah, and so even though I didn't feel like I'd initially gotten anything done, when I wrote down what I actually did get done that day, it was nice because I'd gotten a whole lot of very important stuff done that I'd forgotten I needed to do right. until I actually was getting it done. Yeah, and that always feels good to get those tasks that we forget easily done because then they become habit once we actually get them done to remember these things. I, that's why I always make sure that I write down things that I need to get done on my dry erase board just to make sure I don't forget them because some tasks, especially the smaller ones, are easier to forget, I must admit. Yeah, because see, human memory is not like a computer hard drive where the information is there until it's erased. Right. The human uh, mind is more like random access memory. It's there temporarily, but it's not going to stick. Right. Speaking of having things stick to your brain, let's discuss step eight, which is to read between 20 and 60 minutes. This was also part of the morning routine. Reading is a great way to help stimulate the brain and it's always good to read something that could help you. Yeah, some people like to read fiction or they like to read history or, you know, just the other things here and there, but if you can read something that will help you throughout the day, you're only helping yourself. I like to read books about, well, I like to read books about about other successful entrepreneurs. In fact, I've got a book on my shelf that I plan on reading soon. It's by George Form, and it's called Knockout Entrepreneur, and it talks about how he overcame certain obstacles when he tried to get into the business world himself. You know, he's, he's known for making those grills that you see in many kitchens. And books like that will help stimulate the brain. And reading in general, no matter what you read, it's important to know that they are a great stimulus. They they increase your brain's fatigue levels than watching TV or movies do. And why? It's because it's impossible to read and do something else at the same time. It puts your eyes and your mind focused on one activity. It accelerates the act of subduing your thoughts and then helps your brain get ready to go to bed and shut down. Reading can be very beneficial. I myself read a lot of self-help books and books on how to spread positivity, which is interesting because a lot of my friends like to come to me for advice because I'm older than most of them, mm -hmm. and they find that uh, coming to me for advice is something that they find easy to do, 
because I'm easy to get along with most of the time. Right. And I'm often able to come up with solutions that they wouldn't ordinarily have come up with. Right. Because I have a unique take on life because of some of the things I've been through. I can be a heck of a lot colder and more objective than some people who haven't had certain experiences that I have. Right. And that's, that's taking reading to the next level. It's one thing to read to help yourself, but when you can actually go out there and help others, that's just a much more noble idea. Yeah, a lot of my friends actually use me as an unpaid counselor that they can come to with their problems. Right. When they need somebody they can vent to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to fill that role for them, and thankfully, I've forgotten almost everything that I would need to forget that needs to be kept confidential. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very interesting to find when you've actually helped somebody with a problem that they had, it's a very fulfilling feeling to know that you've helped solve someone else's problems through advice you gave. Right. Wisdom that you gained through your own life that you were able to pay forward, Mm -hmm. which helps you achieve immortality by spreading positive knowledge out into the universe to places that it previously was not placed. Right. And that is the best way to achieve immortality. And being in business is all about solving problems. In fact, the main reason why people start businesses is because they have a problem that they want to solve. They have a product or service that they can use to help solve a major problem within the world. That's why people start businesses. That's why people get patents for certain products or for certain things they invent because they have something that can solve a major problem. Usually someone that starts their own business has a, is offering a product or service to the world that solves problems they had that they couldn't find an existing provider to solve. Right. That's exactly right. In our case with CDG, it was having affordable web design and digital marketing solutions for small business owners. We offer the same quality products the other companies offer. However, we don't offer the services at prices that break the bank. Most of these other companies, these small business owners just aren't able to afford. I've talked to many of them and they come to CDG because we offer extremely competitive pricing and we also offer much closer attention to detail and more personalization versus other companies. Yeah, when Steve Jobs invented the first iPhone, he did that to give the world the phone that he wanted to have. Right. That he couldn't find through an existing provider because it didn't exist. It didn't exist, right. So he had his research and development department the work to invent something that had never been seen before. Right. It was a legendary event indeed. Smartphones are a huge thing now thanks to that one seed that Steve Jobs planted with his dream for the iPhone. And other entrepreneurs need to understand that you can change the world with your products or services. You just need to know what your unique selling point is. And we'll talk more about that in a later show. Let's go on to the next step. And that is to put your electronic devices away, like these iPhones we're talking about, and fade to black. So now that you've done reading, you may have been either reading a physical book or you might have been reading it on your phone or on a tablet. Now it's time to put those things away where you cannot reach them. That way it'll be easier for you to resist grabbing them when you can't sleep. 
every device you have. You want to get as much distance as you can from them and go to bed. Yep, and make sure your alarm clock is across the room so that when you get up in the morning, you have to get out of bed. Yes. Shut it off. Yes. Mine is clear across the room, and I don't take my cell phone with me to my room either. I leave it on my desk in my office. Good move, because that way, if you actually are tempted to use it, you have to get out of your comfortable bed to go touch it. Right. Most of the time, you're not going to be motivated enough to actually do that. Right. Yeah, my downfall, when I can't sleep, I um, always look on my bloody phone. Or whatever. Yeah, because these devices may be our guides throughout the day. We may rely on them for so many different things, but don't let them intrude your evening life or your night life. When you're in bed, the only thing you should be doing is sleeping. You don't want to have anything ruining your night because that will make you feel bad in the morning. If you don't get a good night's sleep, you will not feel productive the next day. So put those electronics away, don't think about them, and just fade to black. Make sure there are no lights anywhere. You know, light signifies the opposite of an empty mind. So when you leave everything in the other room, including lighting, and you're just focused on trying to get some sleep, you're setting yourself up for productivity the next day. You want that calmness. You don't want distraction. Smart devices are some of the biggest distractions. I'm sorry to say this right after we congratulated Steve Jobs. However, these devices do create major distractions, and we certainly don't need them to distract us while we're trying to get a good night's sleep. Otherwise, we won't be able to be successful at work. We'll probably fail our test at school if we have school the next day, even if you studied, because you will be too tired to focus on it. So get a good night's sleep and put the devices away. And then let's also discuss the final step of this routine, and then we're going to close, and that is to take a step back and clear your mind. Once you've turned off the lights, that's the only thing you need to do is shut down your mind. That's why I said put away the devices. Get in the most comfortable position you can get while you're in bed. Just let anything that's here in your mind just fade out and dissolve. Close your eyes and then just black out and go to sleep and be ready to wake up the next morning. Simple as that. I, I listen to um, sleep hypnosis sometimes when I can't relax. I put you on my Alexa device mm -hmm. or and put earphones in with it. And yeah, that can help you relax as well. Right. Some people do get to sleep easier when they have some sort of white noise playing in the background, usually a mm -hmm. like a fan blowing or something like that, or a thunderstorm. I find that what helps me when I need white noise is the sound of a cat purring. Cat purring, right. That's so, another good example. To what Wayne said to me one time, he said that um, listening to bombs going off, helps him sleep sometimes and he'll put you on the phone like white noise but bombs instead which i find's a bit weird yeah so, that's you know, about. yeah that's i guess it's, it all just depends um, on what we find comfortable it depends on your uh, comfort level and what specifically you like i know that i myself find the mysteries of the unexplained with i think it was chris black or some mm -hmm. such guy like that that opening credit, it helps me go unconscious within two minutes when I listen to the opening credits of that particular TV show. And right. And yes, most people find that show too scary to sleep to, but that show, while it may be creepy, is something that makes me fall asleep easily. So I can actually listen to that to help me sleep. Mm-hmm. 
We all have our, our different methods of getting to sleep. For me, I just need a dark room that's completely quiet, which would be my bedroom. I don't need any white noise. I don't need to have anything else going on in the background. That's literally all I need to go to sleep. Yeah, I've been wearing earplugs lately, unless I know I've got, I'm expecting like someone to come, like a parcel or whatever, next day. And so I'm, otherwise I forget, I've got my earphone plugs in, mm -hmm. but they're so good. Want a um, really quiet sleep, especially living where I do. And right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, we all have different methods for, for trying to get to sleep, and that one is certainly an effective one. Both of you guys have shared a lot of great insight in today's show, and let's go ahead and close out. Both of y'all had some great information, and I hope that all of our listeners will follow this routine and that they'll see a difference in their productivity levels in the morning just by following a good evening routine. One piece of advice that just came to mind is that you should enable the sleep mode on your device mm -hmm. to make sure that it doesn't populate alerts when it's your sleep time to help minimize distractions. Yeah, I have I'm not none of your apps except your weather emergency apps on the bypass for alerts for flash floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, that kind of thing. Right. But other than yeah. that, I don't see the value in having your alerts able to bypass your device alert settings. Right. And everybody should have an alarm clock and instead of using their smart device as their alarm clock. I agree. That's the downfall of far too many people is they will use their phone also is their alarm clock so it never really gets any rest because it has to keep an eye on that time. Not that right. it doesn't do that already, but doing that on behalf of its human puts more strain and shortens the life of the device actually, believe it or not. Right. Because it requires it to stay powered up more frequently and pull more power, which will increase your power bill. Mm -hmm. Which can lead to other problems down the road True. if you're not careful. True. I agree, Justin. Yeah, my phone's always on do not disturb. Unless it's really important because I hate the noise or the vibration from um, notifications. So I always have mine on do not disturb. And being that I'm a business owner, I have to have mine on all the time. So And yeah. I don't have to worry about it disrupting me when I'm sleeping because I don't take my phone with me to my bedroom. It sits in my office until I get up the next morning to go get it. Thank you guys once again for joining me on the show. Y'all both had a lot of great insight. Thank you guys. I hope y'all have a great one now.